going to jump right into, we have a guest speaker today, um, Andy and his wife Lindsay are in the house, Layman, and just to uh, just give a little backdrop to his life, and he may even share some more, but Andy was actually on staff at another church in Pennsylvania before we uh, began to engage in relationship with him, and um, he actually met some of the Harbor community at a conference out in, in California, and just some divine connections that happened uh, during that time. And, and through some of that, there was just some leading of Andy's heart to actually step away from ministry for a season. He was in a very um, uh, prominent role in a, in, a, in a significant church in Pennsylvania and came all the way down to South Florida just to be a part of our community and was working as a waiter and other jobs in, in that time, eventually went on staff at One Hope. But I just saw Andy um, just grow and mature and, and, and take take some place uh, with God that, that, that was just incredible to watch. And, you know, you'd think, well, couldn't that have happened in ministry? It, it, may have, it may have been able to happen, but isn't it more important to be obedient to God than try to figure out what we think is best for how we're to navigate our journey? And I just saw him, you know, take that road, and, and, and the long and short of it is uh, he, he, he took, took some greater measures of, of staffing with, with One Hope and then eventually got connected to a church in Dallas where he's now serving on staff and and I believe it was there on a mission trip in Africa that he met his better half. Can I get an amen? Uh, and got married a year ago now, right? It's been a year. So let's give it up for, for Andy Lehman as he comes and for Lindsay. Um, let's give a warm, warm. Come on, you can do better than that. Harbor welcome for a son of this house and someone who's going to bring the word of the Lord. Love you. Oh, man, good morning. This morning has just been so incredible already, hasn't it? Uh, I think we could end right now and walk away knowing that we've encountered Jesus today. Um, it's just beautiful. I'm getting wrecked up here in the front row. You know, um, when I lived here in Florida, I didn't go to the beach that often. And I feel like the reality is you usually go to the beach if you live here when somebody comes from out of town to visit, right? Um, you kind of forget the beauty of the ocean right in the backyard in South Florida. And I think uh, in the same way, Sometimes when you're constantly here at a place like the harbor, it's easy to take for granted what God is doing here. Uh, and coming back into it, it's like just being in the ocean of God's grace again. It's just I'm visiting, but I'm just getting to experience the beauty of what God's doing in this place. And, guys, it's, it's special. It's beautiful. Uh, so thank you for allowing me to be a, a part of this service today. Uh, how many of you, uh, it's been about four years uh, since I've moved to Texas. How many of you have I not met before? How many are, are new? Man, that's a lot of people. Come on. Well, welcome. Uh, <laughs> I guess you should say welcome to me at this point, right? Um, man, honored to meet you. Um, this, this house, the harbor, uh, was such a foundational season of my life. Darren, thank you. Um, Thank you for your investment in my life. Thank you for creating a space where we can encounter the presence of God here. Um, I want to talk more about that in just a second. But, um, you know, I'm new to this marriage thing, but I'm learning. You start with that, right? Um, so she told me not to, but, but we know the rules. You, ha you have to. This is my wife, Lindsay. I'm very excited about this, guys. And we did. We met, we met in, in Kenya. Uh, so Nida... Nida, where are you? So, so maybe, maybe more missions trips is what's needed here. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that's a word from the Lord. Um, just telling you my story. 
Um, and so I was in Kenya. There's a church that our church in, in Dallas uh, is, is, is forming a partnership with, and it was really my first trip there. Uh, and so I'm standing up, uh, kind of speaking to the congregation, and it's this beautiful church of like 7,000 people in Nairobi, Kenya. And so I'm up there uh, talking to them uh, as one, uh, we're Mzungus over there, okay? So that, that means I'm, I'm the white guy standing on stage. So the, the Mzungu is up there, and I said, guys, it's not just me. Like, I'm representing a church um, much like your church in, in Texas, uh, in the U.S. And, man, you just guys, you, you look so beautiful, uh, I wish that my friends back home could see you. In fact, do you mind if I take a picture? So I got my, my phone out and everybody waved. I said, hey, wave at me. And I took a picture uh, of just this beautiful congregation, bright colors, Sunday morning. And uh, so then uh, unbeknownst to me, in the back of that room, there was a, a missions team of, of missionaries that, that lived there that were working with Somali uh, refugees there uh, in Nairobi. Uh, and, and on that team, there was this, this, uh, this girl, this missionary named Lindsay. Uh, and, and when I was up there speaking, she nudged the friend b- beside her and said, hey, wave with your left hand to show that there's no ring on it for the picture. Lindsay, Nida, Nida, Lindsay, if y'all want to hang out. So, so she thought it was just a joke. Uh, but in this picture, there's this row of girls like in the back of this, of this big auditorium that are like going like this uh, in the picture. So I posted it online and I, I tagged my church back home and I tagged this church uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. And, uh, you know, kind of made an introduction there. Uh, and her missions team leader, whom she told about what she did, happened to be a friend of mine, and he tagged her in the picture and outed her. Uh, and so, uh, to her uh, chagrin, I don't know what the right word is there, okay, uh, now, now she's mortified by this, but in an equally desperate move on my part, I friended her on Facebook. <laughs> So it's okay. I mean, we're all there. And I, I get it. I get it. It's just, it's a reality. We all long, long for that. And so um, we started a conversation and uh, really over the course of about a year and a half began a friendship that turned into uh, a dating relationship. And um, we, we are responsible for all the external things at our church in Texas. So all the missions, all the outreach, all the church planting, all of that stuff. Um, but in some ways I've, I'm like the anti-missions pastor because I brought a missionary back from Kenya to come back to Texas, one of the most reached places, uh, in the world. Um, so I'm not very good at my job, but I, I have a beautiful wife. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so be encouraged, Nada. Being, if, if nobody else hears anything today, if this was just for you, it has been worth the visit. Um, hey, let me, uh, let me share a few things here. Just, uh, I said I wanted to come back to this, but kind of sharing about what the harbor has meant in my life. I, I do, I do want to get into the word that I feel like God has for us today. Um, but, but first, just, just briefly, because again, I think it's this reality of you can kind of take for granted the beautiful ocean in the backyard. You can take for granted the beautiful moving of the spirit here in this house. So I just want to remind you coming back to this, as I was thinking about today, as I was thinking about what the Lord did in my life during this season here, um, I wanted to just really quickly give you kind of the top five things that God did in my life here at the Harbor. Um, and maybe it's just 
kind of an insider outsider perspective now. You guys probably already know all these things, but I just want to remind you how unique and how rare and how beautiful what the Lord is doing here is. It's, it's not something that's very common. Um, as I look around the body of Christ, the revelation, the beauty of what Jesus is doing here. And so here's my top five things. The first thing is this. I learned to be a son. Uh, I came here. I knew how to be a servant of God. Uh, I knew how to perform for God. But when I came here, I learned to just be a son. And I think, Darren, to your point about not being in ministry for a season, the Lord was saying, hey, I don't value you because you're in ministry. I don't value you because of the gift I've given you. I don't value you because of the performance that you're able to do for me. I value you because you're my son. And just like the father said to Jesus before he did anything, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. He says that to us, says that to you. You're a son, you're a daughter. And I know you know this, but let me remind you today. That's a beautiful reality. Second thing I learned is this. To keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, um, the Lord is doing, the Lord was doing a lot of very beautiful things here at this, in this family during that season. There's people that are getting healed. There's people that are getting set free. There's revelations from God's word that are, that are coming to light that we get excited about and we want to pursue those things. But, but man, I can just remember Darren, you constantly, you would step up in a, in a moment where there's this deep revelation and you would just say, but Jesus, because it's all about him, isn't it? This is all for him. And no matter how many incredible revelations and deliverances and healings and transformations are taking place, it's just all about Jesus. It's all for him. He's the one that does it. He's the beginning and the end. And this is a house that recognizes that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Number three, journeying by faith in God's promise. Uh, this is not a house that's kind of just following some manual to figure out how you should do church. This is a house that is contending for the fullness of what God wants to do and what only God can do. And like Abraham, I know that, that that's a message of this house. Uh, like Abraham, who left his land, though he did not know where he was going because he was searching for a city whose builder and maker is God. So too, is this a house that is searching for the fullness of what God can do, not even knowing fully what that looks like, but stepping out in faith and saying, God, whatever you want to do, I'm in for it. Lord, we're going to step out in faith. We might not understand the full reality of what that means, but we're not going to... We're not going to dumb it down to what we think we can accomplish and look at a handbook and come up with principles. We're going to trust you, God. We're going to pursue you. We're going to go after everything that you want for us because in the process, that means experiencing everything that he wants for us as individuals, but also as a corporate reality of what he wants to do in the body of Christ. Journeying by faith in the promise. That was number three. Number four, being a people, not just being a person. Being a people, not just being a person. Um, I think I came here as a person. You know, we live in America. Uh, we have freedom. Uh, we are uh, maybe the most individualistic society that's ever existed on the planet. And it's typically all about what we get out of things. And many times that, that carries over into the reality of, of the church. And we come for what we can get out of it. And what God can do and how, how it's going to minister to us and if it fits our preferences. But I, I learned here that really what God's up to, it's not just about building persons, but about building a people. 
and the corporate reality of the promises of God's word and what he's wanting to do. And it's not just about me as an individual. It's not just about you as an individual. God is raising up a a collective body here. And he's been doing that from the very beginning. And I love even the talk that's taking place now. I listen to the podcasts that are coming out of this place and and, uh, talking about gatherings and groups talking about mentorship and discipleship and friendship. It's a corporate reality. It's not just a, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We're in this together and we're contending for the promises of God together. We're better together. We're not just persons. We're, we're, we're a people with a corporate identity. And number five, I learned about prophetic community here. Uh, for some of you, you might say, well, what, what is that? Well, I don't know if this is the right definition, but here's how I define it. It's the ability to ask the Lord to see each other from his perspective and to call forth that destiny in one another, to invite each other into the place that God has as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters in this corporate reality, to be able to speak to one another, to see the gold that's in one another to celebrate who somebody is without stumbling over who they're not. To not seek to promote ourselves, but rather to submit to the process. I think that's a big thing today. Submit to the process of what God's doing. Knowing that he knows how to get you where he wants to take you. So you don't have to be so antsy to get there on your own. You can sit and you can celebrate somebody else. Because when it's your turn, there's going to be people celebrating you. So Darren, thank you, because I think so much of this is because you've created a reality. You've, you, you're a servant leader that empowers others, that carries the kingdom reality. You're coming under and you're lifting up and you're creating a space where God can do what he wants to do in the lives of people and build a community. And so um, that was a great applause. But can we just honor Darren and Wendy uh, one more time? It's a rare gift. You know, the Bible says that the apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, they are gifts to the body. And Darren and Wendy and, and the leadership of the harbor is a gift to this community. Uh, and so I'm, I'm thankful for the gift that you've been in my life. Um, so today, um, in the remaining time that's here, I, I, I want to, I think God's doing something with anxiety today. Are you sensing that? There's some anxiety that he wants to break off today. And so uh, I'm going to hit a, a point or two really, really quick, but I really want to get to applying what I think the Holy Spirit wants to do. I think he wants to leave a, he wants you to leave here different today. He wants you to leave here today in freedom because he's doing something. And if we're, if we're weighed down with anxiety, it's going to hinder what the Lord wants to do. So uh, you're in a series called Build, Laying the Groundwork for Transformation. So I'm going to adjust on the fly uh, what I was going to talk about today because I think we need to apply it specifically in this direction today. But I think there's a principle here that, that is, is it's, it's life transforming. So uh, two weeks ago, Julie, where, powerful word, two weeks ago, revelation of identity brings destiny. 
powerful. Aren't you thankful for powerful women in the body of Christ? And she preached on a passage out of Matthew 16. And I was listening to the podcast and what was blowing me away is that's the exact same passage that we've been talking about at our church in Texas. So I thought, huh, that's interesting that at about the same time I found out I was going to be sharing today uh, the same thing that's being uh, taught in Texas is being taught here. And so I feel like there's something we're, we're learning from you. And there's something that I feel like God has, has, has shown us that I want to bring to you. And since it's a message series called Build, I'm just going to build on her message. Rather than starting from scratch, I just want to add um, some context to that passage that she so beautifully preached on. In fact, Darren, last week in the message, you mentioned that as well. Because that's the passage that, that says, uh, well, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Last week you said, Jesus said that and he means it. So let's talk about that for a second. And then, and then I think it means something for us as it relates to anxiety as well. So let me just jump into the passage here, okay? It's, it's Matthew 16, and you guys are, all know this. If you didn't hear these messages, you need to go back and listen. Uh, powerful, powerful revelation. Um, but let me, let me read these to you here. Starting in verse 16 of Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, 13. Says this, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, note that. All right, we're going to come back to that in a second. Uh, it's important that that's mentioned. He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The son, uh, who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say I am? Right? And so, not going to go into this. Julie did a great job, but man, that, re- that, that question is a powerful question. Who do you say he is? Because uh, there's a, a, a theologian named uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer, who said, your view of God is the most important thing about you. More than anything else, your view of God is the most important thing about you. So who do you say he is? It's a very important question. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, Julie did a great job of talking about how we need to get that revelation for ourselves, right? Uh, Simon's revelation was, was from heaven. It wasn't just that he heard it from somebody else. It wasn't just that his mama told him about it. He got a revelation of who Jesus was from the father. And we need that same, that's my prayer. God, give us revelation. Even today, Jesus, as we look to your word, would you give us revelation? God, not even the words that I speak, but would you speak to our hearts today? Would you reveal yourself, reveal your son to us and in us today in a new way? We need it from you, God. We need that revelation from heaven. Here's the revelation of this passage, though. It's not just a general, generic revelation. He he said something specific, didn't he? It it wasn't, whatever you want it to be, Simon, that's your revelation. Whatever you need, Simon, that's your revelation. That, That wasn't how it was stated. There's a very specific revelation that Simon Peter had, and it was this, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, that word Christ... It, it literally need, means anointed one. Um, and as you think about the, the narrative of the Bible, Old Testament, uh, New Testament, when you think about who were the ones that were anointed, who was it? 
there's priests and there's kings. And most commonly, it's the kings that are anointed. And even in the context of Simon Peter saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What he's saying is you, you are the anointed one. You're the anointed king. You're the son of God. You're coming. You're anointed as king. You were the Christ. You were the Messiah. The Jewish understanding was that he was the king that was coming to deliver them and bring freedom and to reinstate his kingdom on the earth. So he's looking at him and basically he's saying, you're a king. You're the king of all kings. You're, you're, you're higher than anything else. As we sang about earlier, man, he, he is the God of creation. He breathed out the stars. He sustains us. He gives us breath. All things hold together in him. He is the king. This is the revelation that Simon Peter had. And there's, there's a lot of revelations of who God is. God is, gosh, here's, here's what's amazing to me. He's infinite, right? There's no end to who he is. Which means that even in eternity, for all of eternity, we're never going to get to the end of who he is. There's always new things to discover about him. So that's why I think in heaven they're saying, holy, holy, holy. They're constantly discovering new things about the amazingness of who God is. Okay, and so there are so many things, but the revelation specific to this reality is that he is the king. So is he father? Yes, I learned how to be a son here. Is he my healer? Yes. Is he my restorer? Yes. Is he my deliverer? Yes. Is he my prince of peace? Yes, but he's also my king. And here's here's where there's this tension that we need to grapple with and we need to grasp. Because sometimes when we get excited about the fact that he's our father, we lose sight of who he truly is. That our father is not just, oh, come here, son, it's okay. Yes, he is that. What's amazing about him is he's so close. He's closer than our breath. He's able to just know our thoughts better than we even know ourselves. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He's the closest being in the universe to us, but yet he's the greatest being in the universe. And we can't miss that. We can't, we can't lose his vastness and his power in the midst of experiencing his intimacy. But we need to hold those things in tension and realize, yes, he's my father. Yes, I can come to him. Yes, at just as I am, he accepts me. Just, just, uh, just, just without any changes, I come to him and that's what changes me. His presence changes me. But also, he's the king of the universe who came up with the concept of light and spoke it into being and it existed. You kidding me? He's the king. So if he's the king, then how do we need to respond to him? How do you respond to the king? It's not about me getting him on my agenda. It's about submitting to his. It's not about doing something and asking him to bless it. It's saying, God, what is your will? Not as a servant, but as a son. It's about bowing my knee before the, the most powerful being on, uh, on the planet. Just because he's, he's close to us doesn't mean, I mean, it's, it's the whole story from C.S. Lewis where they talk about Aslan the lion, that, that he's not safe, but he's good. He's not safe. He's, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, and there's no one like him. And that's the reality that Simon Peter had. You're the Christ the son of the living God. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Here's, here's what gets me, though. Here's, here's just the context that, that I feel like we need to grasp. And I never heard this before. But this is why the fact that it says that this revelation took place in Caesarea Philippi. That's where he took his disciples to tell them this. This is where this comes in. It's really important. Um, can, can you put that first picture up uh, on, the, on the screen? Um, 
So this is an artist's rendering of what Caesarea Philippi, kind of the center of that region, would have looked like in Jesus' day. So Caesarea Philippi is in the northern part of the kingdom of Israel. Uh, and it's an area that, man, thousands of years before uh, the, the Israelites were there, before, before it was the place where the, the, the kingdom of Israel uh, had, had conquered, the Canaanites lived there. And, and Caesarea Philippi was one of the kind of main centers of the worship of a false god called Baal. And in this area, uh, they would worship Baal by doing unspeakable things, including human sacrifice and uh, crazy sexual things. I mean, just demonic stuff for generation upon generation upon generation took place here. Uh, And then other cultures came in, the, the Greeks, the Romans. And with each new kingdom that would come in and conquer a territory, they would build their temple on top of the previous one to show their dominance. So they would come in and they would, they would tear down the temple to Baal. And during Jesus' day, it would have looked like this as a temple to the god Pan, who was uh, the god of fertility, among other things. He was half man, half goat. Uh, and in this place, in Caesarea Philippi, it was the center of what we would probably look at as demonic witchcraft that was taking place as people came to worship the God Pan, who is half man, half goat, doing things that mix those together. I'll let you figure that out. Um, And there's demonic practices that are taking place here. In fact, go to the next picture. Uh, Right behind that temple, there was a cave that was known to everyone as the gates of hell or the gates of Hades. And it was believed that this was the the portal to the underworld. That this is the place where where the gods of the underworld would come and go. And they would enter. And that's why people came to this place from all around to worship this false god, Pan, from which we get the word panic. And they would offer sacrifices and do unspeakable demonic acts in this place. Because they believed those are the gates of hell. That's where the gods go back and forth. That was the common understanding of the day. So think about this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He lived in Nazareth. He was a Galilean. He taught at the temple. He had all kinds of opportunities to reveal to his disciples who he was. He could have taken them to Bethlehem and said, guys, who do you say I am? He could have taken them to Galilee and said, Yeah, who who do you guys think I am? He could have gone and stood on the temple mount and said, guys, who am I? But Jesus, to reveal the fact that he is king, that he is the king of all kings, chooses to take his disciples to the place that is demonic stronghold. He goes straight to the gates of hell on earth. And he says, hey, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter says, you're the king. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And we don't, we don't hear, we don't hear that there's a lot of attacks coming against him that day, do you? You don't hear that, that everyone was in an uproar and they came out of the temple of Pan and attacked the disciples, do you? Because Jesus is the conquering king who came to the very gates of hell to say, I'm actually the king of kings. And I don't care what you think has power on this earth. I don't care where you think the demonic strongholds are. I don't care where you think it's the darkest and dimmest. That's where I establish my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the very next verse. 
You guys getting this? Very next verse, it says this. This is Jesus' response to Peter. I also say to you that you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Now he played a, he played a, he played a word game here. He said, you are Peter, Petros, which means a small rock that can be moved. You were, you were the small rock, Peter. And on this rock, Petra, massive rock, immovable. The revelation, revelation of identity brings destiny. The revelation that I am the king, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And right on top, right on top of where the kingdom of darkness is perceived to be on earth, I'm going to set it up right there. I'm going to build my kingdom. This giant rock, the Petra, the revelation that I'm king is going to come down and crush that temple. And I'm not able to be moved. That revelation cannot be moved. The rock of revelation that Christ is the king. On this rock, I will build my church, Jesus said. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the king. Yes, he's father. Yes, he's healer. Yes, he's, he's our peace. But he's our king. He's all powerful. He's almighty. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what he's doing. He's building. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what does that mean, church? I will build my church. The word church there is ecclesia. Ecclesia literally means a called out gathering. And Jesus borrowed this word. It's not a Christian word during his day. Ecclesia is... um, Let's call it like the Senate would be in in Greece, okay? So during this day, the ecclesia, they were the called out gathering. It wasn't just an individual, it was a gathering who would come together and they would align with the emperor and make decisions and enforce his reign in his territory, okay? So when Jesus says ecclesia, church, um, he's actually borrowing this powerful government reality, of a gathering built on the revelation that he is king, crushing the enemy, as was even foretold from the very beginning, that I will crush his head. And on the revelation that he is king, his ecclesia, his called out gathering, his, his, his body that carries his authority is given the keys, because that's the next verse, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus is king. He's crushed the enemy. We are his church, his ecclesia, his called out gathering. That he is called to stand on that revelation, to stand on that rock. That he is king. As living stones, as little rocks. Right? Because the Bible consistently talks about that, that we're like living stones that we are gathered together as living stones into a temple that he fills with his presence on the revelation that he is king to enforce his will on the earth. He's overcome the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are not offensive. They don't come after anybody. No one's ever said, oh no, the gates are coming. The gates are are defensive. The the enemy is trying to hold back what God wants to do. And God is saying to his church, to his ecclesia, rise up. 
Rise up on the revelation that I am the conquering king. I'm the king of all kings. You are my called out ones. Come together and rule in my authority. Come together on that revelation. Declare that I'm king and watch everything else come into alignment with it. It's not you. They're not your keys. They're my keys, but I'm giving them to you. We don't do it. We don't take it. We receive it from God. It's not a militant, violent, angry thing. It's a thing that looks like radical love because the king himself is love. And it's a corporate reality. It's not just individuals. Ecclesia means a gathering, a called out gathering. So when we talk about gatherings and groups, when we talk about mentorship, when we talk about friendship, when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about Jesus building his church together as people who understand and carry the revelation that he is king. So what does this mean for you? I think today... Betsy, as you were saying earlier, I'm undone on the front. As you sang, anxiety bows at the name of Jesus. And here's what I saw. I saw Jesus, because I'll be honest, Julie, I'm going to be really transparent with you, okay? When I was out in the lobby, Julie said, Andy, what are you, what's God doing in your life? And I said, I've realized how much I struggle with anxiety and he's healing me. So is Jesus during worship, or as Betsy during worship is singing about Jesus and that anxiety bowels in the name of Jesus. Here's what I saw. I saw anxiety. Jesus is our defender. Jesus is the king. Jesus who has all authority. I saw him saying to anxiety in your life and in my life, bow. And that anxiety bowed. And then I felt like Jesus said, now you stand. You take your stand against the enemy. You take your stand against the evil one the anxiety, I'll tell it to bow at my name, at the revelation that I am king, that I have overcome, that I've established my kingdom on the earth. There's no barrier that can stop what God wants to do. The enemy may try. He may try to bring in that anxiety. He may try to put that weight on us. But I just, man, I even had this, this dream the other night where just the weight of the world is, is on my shoulders. And I felt like it, like it was like trying to carry all these rocks. And God is saying, just throw it down. Throw the rock down on the rock that I am that becomes part of the foundation. Those things that weigh you down, don't carry it. Stand up on it. And I'm lifting you up into the position that I have for you as individuals. I'm lifting you up as the church in this region to see cultural transformation take place. I'm lifting you up. No more weight of anxiety. No more weight of financial pressure. No more weight of the relational tension that exists. Those very things that are meant to crush you by the enemy have already been crushed by the rock of revelation that is the king. And he says, throw it down. Throw it down. Don't carry that. Throw it down. It becomes a very stepping stone that the rock would grow. The rock would get bigger. Those things that are meant to harm you, I will actually use to lift you up. Humble yourself. Submit to the process. Trust me. Give it to me. Let's stand together. Can we put, can we put up on the screen the revelation that Peter had? I want us to declare this together. That uh, Where it says, uh, you are Christ the son of the living God. And I think there's power in in declaration. God declared, let there be light. And there was light. And he reveals things to people to declare. And as we come into agreement with our thinking, 
with our words, with our actions, the kingdom advances. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to declare this statement, the same revelation that Peter had. And I want you to declare it over your anxiety. I want you to declare it over any weight that you carry. I want you to declare it over this city, over this region in South Florida. Oh, but there's things that are happening here that are dark. So what? Do we realize who this Jesus is? Do we realize that he took them to the darkest place on earth to say, right here, I'm going to establish my kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And my church, my ecclesia, my called out ones are going to enforce this victory because I give it to them. I share my victory. I share my authority. So for you in your life, in your family, the enemy's in your life. If he's in your mind, if he's in your heart, he's trespassing. He doesn't have the right to be there. So today, whatever it is for you individually, we're going to do it twice. So think about what is it for me individually to declare that he is the king and everything else submits and bows in your life personally. And then we're going to do it secondly, corporately for the city. Okay. You guys ready on the count of three for you and your personal life. Let's declare it together. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You ready? Three, two, one. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let's just worship him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for that reality. Thank you that anxiety bows to you. Thank you that financial pressures bow to you. That there is no name higher than the name of Jesus. Second thing, we're not just persons, we're a people. God's doing something through the Harbor Church in the South Florida region, even with Church United and the Church of, of, of Jesus Christ coming together. Man, guys, there's something beautiful. I feel like around the nation, people are watching what's happening right here. And so we're going to declare to the South Florida region, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I don't care what, what, what crazy things happen here. I don't care how dark sometimes things can be. I don't care what the opposition is. The gates of hell are not offensive. They are defensive, and Christ has already overcome. He is the king. You ready to declare it to this region? You ready? Three, two, one. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus, we thank you. Let's just worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're building your church in this region and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God.
here's how we're going to end. Here's how we're going to end. The ministry team's coming up to the front right now. Here, here's the first reality. If you don't know Jesus is king, you're missing out. We weren't meant to be the king of our own lives. We were never designed to do that. It's a weight that we were not designed to carry. If you don't know him as king, maybe you're visiting today and you're like, what are these people talking about? Why don't you come see for yourself? There's nobody like King Jesus. There's nobody like him. I promise you, there's no one like him. You want to know him. You want to come and submit yourself to him. So if you've never done that, you don't know if, if you've ever made him your Lord, well, that today's the day. Come and talk to one of my friends here and they're going to pray with you. Secondly, how many of you feel like the anxiety thing is for you today? Just everybody looking around here. It's okay. This is a safe place. If that's you, there's power. The ecclesia, there's power in coming together. So maybe you want to come up and have somebody agree with you that the truth, the revelation of what we were declaring today is not just a theoretical thing, but it's a reality in your life. So if that's you today, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray with one of these before you leave today. It's, it's probably worth another 10 minutes for God to set you free if the breakthrough fully is not manifested yet, okay? And then the third thing, if you've got sickness in your body, if you need healing, Jesus is king. He's king. He's king over all sickness. He's king over cancer. He's king over all disease. And if you need a touch today, we're going to declare that he's king over whatever's going on in your body, okay? So if you need to make him your Lord, if you need touch, uh, a touch in regard to anxiety, God's going to break that off today. And if you need to be healed today, come to the front. We're going to worship in here for a while. We're just going to keep declaring that anxiety is bowing at the name of Jesus. So uh, if you want to uh, talk, hang out, just ask that you please uh, respect the space in here. Ministry team is available. Jesus is doing something beautiful, isn't he? Honored to be a part of it today.